Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash firstofallpodcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out firstofallpod.com or subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform or just follow me on Instagram because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support and enjoy the show. You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to first of all, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, filmmaker, and many other things, but I'm mostly very excited to be back with all of you to introduce season two of First of All. Yay! Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2022. Holy crap, how did that happen? I hope you had amazing holidays, warm and safe and healthy. Um, I don't know how we made it, y'all, but we made it through 2021 after a very, very interesting 2020. I mean, it's we're still here. We're still standing. We still have ears and brains that function, and I'm just proud of all of us, okay? I'm proud of us. I'm proud of you. Sending you guys really big hugs. I'm so excited to be back here to present season two after a very, very, very long 160 episode season one. Um, we have a new structure. We have a 10 episode season two which I'm so excited to share with all of you guys. I've been hunkered down and planning with my team and integrating a lot of incredible feedback from the listeners, from you guys. I was so excited and honored to hear the feedback from all of you, what you enjoyed, what you liked, what you would want more of, what you think we can grow from. And just, it's amazing. And we're hopefully integrating that into a better season, a better episode, a better show for everybody tuning in um, so that we can empower and heal and delight and entertain all of you guys out there who tune in. So thank you guys. Season two, episode one is, it's a it's a really good one. I'm so excited um, because it's about a topic that we know that I love, which is therapy, talking about healing, talking about growth. And in that conversation of any kind, it's very layered and it's uh, not a simple thing to tackle, but this one is with someone incredible who has already been a guest on First of All in a past episode talking about church culture and religion, which is a very loaded topic and was so insightful during that. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Abe Kim. Abe is an incredibly talented LA native musician, actor, artist, husband to Priscilla Leanne Kim, aka Priska, aka co-host of Two Horny Goats, also one of my dearest friends. And Abe is just one of the deepest, kindest, most generous souls that I know, um, who is down to open up his life and his experience to talk about men in therapy. Um, There's a lot there and we're going to go into it. And I'm learning about my friend in real time with all of you guys as he shares his experience. Um, having friction, approaching therapy, going through it, and what he's learned since and how that journey's been uh, in the many years that have passed since he first approached it. So I think there's something really valuable for everybody to get out of this episode. I hope that it empowers you, heals you, uh, drives curiosity. And uh, that's the point of this entire show, which I have clarified in my time off. This break was so helpful for me, and I feel really excited 
to bring this conversation and many more to all of you guys in the very near future. We have 10 episodes in season two. We have a little bit of a different structure, so I hope you guys notice and enjoy it. Um, And yeah, just going to keep on iterating and growing this channel because it's been one hell of a ride and I've gotten so much out of it. And to hear that it's impacted so many of you out there means the entire universe to me. So let's keep this show on the road. Really quick, a little bit about Abe before we dive into it. Just want to do a shout out to all of his incredible achievements, being an actor in theater productions like Cambodian Rock Band and L.A. Riots. Cambodian Rock Band was literally the last show that I watched before going into lockdown, and it was totally worth it. It was incredible. Could have died because I could have gotten COVID, but didn't. It was amazing. So grateful. He is also a drummer in various bands, such as Former Faces, Run River North, Holla, Fike Music, and Almost Home. He toured with these bands in renowned festivals such as Bottle Rock and Napa and South by Southwest. He is also a producer of music by the name Aber Beats that he produces music with his beautiful wife, Prisca. And uh, yeah, just so honored to have him back on the show. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and share it with a friend if it impacts you. And let's get the show on the road. Welcome back to season two of First of All with our very first episode, number one with Abe Kim on Men in Therapy. Enjoy. Came in 88 with a dream of so bright eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Nobody's feeling me. Welcome, Abe, to season two of First of All. Let's go, season two. Let's go. How are you? Thank you for being my very first guest for my second season. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Minji. Dude, I'm so honored. Like, I always love talking to you, Abe. And this topic is very dear to me. So it means mm. a lot that you're here. Mm. You ready to go deep? We're going Let's right go. out the gate. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about men in therapy. Um, there's been the butt of many of my jokes, and I've said this in jest many times and in deep form, but something that means a lot and I think is a really great emerging topic with a lot of different circles of folks. And so I'm just excited to sit down and talk with you, Abe, about your experience, about, you know, your growth and just dive into it because I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of progress, but there's also a lot of curiosity and a lot of maybe hesitation. So yeah, I'm curious if you will, I already did your, your intro to hype you up, but can you give us the what's the story of you getting into therapy or, or even before that, um, yeah, so uh, to give you a little history, I I attended uh, a seminary, uh, Talbot mm-hmm. School of Theology, and that's um, the seminary in uh, Biola University uh, in, in SoCal, and I was in a, a program. It was um, uh, for the Institute of Spiritual Formation and Soul Care, and one of the co-curriculums was to uh, get therapy uh i forget i it's been so long but it's either i think 30 plus sessions uh during my duration wow of the, of the program and then to answer your other question i resisted i remember hearing a lecture uh from dr ko he was a director of the program and you know i was a a very lost uh, what we call evangelical christian mm. at the time and he went on uh, describing why it might be good if and when uh, you are on your spiritual quest and you feel dry and desolate 
Mm. That a pastor wow. may not be able to do that because they're not trained uh, to sit with you. So he, that's why there was part of the program. He was explaining that you may need a third person and that third person, again, God, yourself, and a therapist. Mm. Uh, wow. I left that lecture actually very upset. This is my um, second semester there. Wow. Uh, reason why I left extremely upset is I grew up with uh, the idea um, that therapy was for weak people, that you didn't need to do that. It, if you have God, why do you need a therapist? Dang. And so I was extremely upset. I almost thought about quitting the program. Because of that. And yeah, I mean, that to, to just the root of it, of having someone else help when I believe that if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, why do I need somebody to sit with me and tell me what my problems are or try to uh, assist in, in my journey? So, um, yeah, so to answer that question, that was my thought before I entered. Uh, I went in with big resistance mm -hmm. uh, in my heart, mind, and soul. Um, but I went because it was part of the program, um, and I wanted to complete it. And so Dang. that's how I signed on. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Like, I, I think this is something that if I may, like insert things that I'm learning about myself from my own therapy journey is mm -hmm. how much mm -hmm. I have come to certain conclusions before ever asking a, a like a truly curious question, right? Like I'll, right. I have different data points that I've gathered over the years and I've witness and experience different relationships and experiences. So I've come to generalizations and hopefully that's like a sign of maturity. I hope is that as we get older and we realize how much we don't know or how much we realize we don't know anything about a damn thing, right? right. So I much that mm -hmm. was really um, driven by assumptions and trauma and a whole mess of other things to come to very strong conclusions without asking. And I think this is why I'm very curious about this topic in particular and why I'm so happy to like talk about it with someone like you and and you because you're a dear friend and, a, and an amazing human being is because there's a lot of layers to it and there's a lot of humility involved in this whole therapy process in all of us to not make assumptions about anything, everybody, right? And my attitude towards men has been fraught with a lot of resentment and a lot of condescension and a lot of just like, oh, you know, that, you, you know, you know, the stereotype of like. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Men are freaking, you know, train wrecks when it comes to talking about their feelings and emotions and X, Y, Z. And that's a lot of, that's been, you know, a lot of my life experience. So. It means a lot that you can be so open about it and not feel attacked by these questions or anything, because I think there are, I'm just like setting, you know, where a lot of people might be entering into this conversation, that there is a lot of resistance, whether that is, is, is explained or not. And usually it's not explained. There's a lot of resistance right. out there against, from a lot of, you know, cis hetero men <laughs> from a certain generation, right? I'll say yeah, um, yeah. that they're like, hell no, I'm not doing therapy. And and I'm very curious. That's like what you just explained. I would, I would not have ever thought that unless you told me right now that mm. your belief was that it was between you and God and that's enough. Why do you need to have another party involved? That's like right out the gate, Abe. I'm very like, whoa, I, didn't, I never thought of that. I didn't know. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way I was formed. I truly believed that and I was on, you know, that map, you know, I followed mm-hmm. the road map. And again, uh, along with religion, there's, you know, I'm Korean American and mm-hmm. like what you just said, I mean, we're men. We don't we don't share feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, you you suppress, repress all that. Um, but th- the question is where does it go if you do that? And so, you know, that, that was revealed to me and, uh, you know, Korean American, both, you know, the male, like the saying, right. Boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, think about what that really means. You're not allowed for certain emotions to come out or exist. Yeah. Or exist. And so what I realized is, yeah, that might be true. Like boys don't cry, but real men do. And I'm not claiming to be a real man. I'm learning to be one Mm. because I am a man. Uh, You know, my gender pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm not saying we should dominate. I'm just saying I'm trying to learn how to exist with that and all the pressures and uh, yeah, the stereotypes, you know, that I've given myself even, Right. So that that's very, it's a very heavy heavy load to unpack. I mean, all all genders, um, yeah, or non-binary. I mean, it whatever we exist in right now, we're trying to we're trying to find out how to uh, be self-aware and to coexist. And and that's yeah, it's been hard. I'm still on it, um, mm-hmm. but I can't say I I can say I know more than I did you know, uh, before and after therapy, um, or since, you know, after therapy, I know more, but there's just so much. There is, there is so much. That's a great way to put it. So much. Cause you feel like you just like, you, you may have resolved one certain thing and then it kind of opens a gateway to like 8,000 more things. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're very complex beings and, uh, many, many layers and yeah. the world keeps changing as well. So, you know, that along with that, it doesn't mean that um, because I feel like as the world is changing and if one does not uh, apply self, what we call self-care and mm-hmm. um, seek out for help and growth, then it's too easy to get upset and, and bitter towards the world and, and live in, in, you know, framing the world and your existence as, you know, me against the world. So. That's so true. And that's that's applicable to anybody. Right. I mean, for whatever you're saying, you know, like what we inherit are what we uh, show up as in terms of what people because people are projecting stuff on us all the time. Right. Like you're saying with like all culture, the time. And it's mm-hmm. not even what you elected. And I think there's something about that that's so dehumanizing. It's like I didn't choose this. It's like I was told that this is what I am as a man or as a woman or whatever you are, right? Or as non-binary, like this is what you belong in this stay in this box for the comfort and so I so that other people can digest you, right? And you know, I think there's when I look back on it when I'm trying to be objective, I'm like it, it's not all like malicious. It's not all because they're trying to harm people, but it was just a, a simpler maybe way that people are trying to put people in discrete categories and boxes so that it's, you know, so that they can manage life because, you know, trying to, you know, try to have a dominating essence and also have feelings like, oh, that's too much. So they're just, you know, let's keep it simple. Just don't cry. Just suck it up and and handle it, you know, in terms of like what you're going to 
build a narrative to be for for young for young men and for boys. And I'm curious, like when you were talking about like the, being Korean American and like the boys don't cry, which I think, you know, the specificity of like a Korean experience is also shared across like pretty much I can I can I've heard this from a lot of other ethnicities and cultures outside of being Korean American, which I am too. Um, can you share a little bit about those stereotypes? Cause like this all kind of really, I think paints the picture of what, who Abe was, you're saying you were a lost evangelical Christian, Korean American. So what were the, the boys don't cry stereotype? Um, what, what were the other, other stereotypes that you think like constituted you being a man at that time? And how are you living that out? It was it mainly just like the suppression and repression of feelings. There's that and and what we can, you know, the Christianity as as they uh, designate the role of a man. Mm-hmm. You know, the pressure of leading, right? Gotcha. You know, you go to church and and you're supposed to you're getting trained to uh, lead your family. Mm-hmm. You know, biblical stances on that. Uh, which I now disagree with. A lot of it is, I think, just based off fear of uh, sharing roles. Mm. Um, but, you know, back then it was that along with uh, emotional uh, repression was the pressure of performing well as a man, as a leader, as a Christian man, as a godly man. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up thinking that the first uh, because this was the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first girlfriend that uh, I had, you know, uh, or dated would be my wife. It was just one and done. Got it. Yeah. And, and I wanted to be the the good, proper Christian boy. So, um, and not to say I had a lot of chances, but I did stay away from relationships in high school. Wow. Uh, for that reason, thinking that a good Christian boy uh in college you know when when you're 18 and uh, over you know you find your wife the first woman that you date and mm-hmm. then you exercise uh whatever you learned during the training mm-hmm. of being a godly man and it was it was a lot of pressure that is uh and also i was, I was a church leader i was a youth group president <laughs> public figure uh, too oh man think about that cringe dude uh, youth group <laughs> president worship leader um and then after that i mean in my early 20s i continued even though my f- faith in the church started to to fade i i just didn't know how else to be because that's all i knew I'm, I'm a you know son of a preacher man and so that's dude, that was that's- my life yeah. yeah and 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 trying to be and it's always you know more so and and you know I don't attend a lot of churches and I actually don't attend the church now but uh things have gotten a little better but I mean those messages were geared toward you know men mm-hmm. a lot of the Korean American churches are you know men where are my men where are the godly men and for women it's like oh just on your husband but men and the X, Y, and Z, X, Y, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it was just ridiculous, man. There's a lot of pressure though. And, and I always thought I wasn't good enough and I still, that's 
where it still lingers even um, throughout uh, or after my first cycle of, of, you know, therapy and medication, I still find myself presently struggling with that, that I'm not good enough, that I have to be um, something that, you know, I hear the, not literally, but voices in my head saying, you know, I'm even being married now, like, am I leading Mm -hmm. my wife? Am I a good uh, leader of the household? And I'm not sure. I don't know. That, but I, that's I a huge that, yeah. thing. Yeah. I can, I can just, I, I like from, from my vantage point, what I've seen, I grew up in the Korean American community and church, um, nowhere near the same level of pressure of being like the pastor's kid. Those are like, I have actually several friends, including you and, uh, and your wife and like, my uh, podcast producer, like I have a lot of friends in my life, Abe, that are um, PKs. And oh, Anna, Anna's a PK? Anna's a PK. And <laughs> oh, I've known man. that girl since we were six. Okay. Like I've been witnessing, do you know what I'm saying? We've been, we went yeah. to church and school together and, um, and just several other friends too, uh, you know, they happen, we happen to like orbit each other in our universes. I know quite a few PKs. And just from that experience alone of like being in, in, in such a sacred space where it's like how much it means to an individual and their community being under that kind of scrutiny in public eye is so much. So like, I can't speak to it, that. It's fucking traumatic. It like, from what I hear from everyone, it sounds so traumatic. Like I feel, Oh, my heart breaks for you. There, I definitely, and not to say we're uh, so different and so unique, but I also, obviously because I went through it. Uh, so, you know, it's the eyeballs. PKs like, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I truly believe a lot of us suffer from post-traumatic stress. I wouldn't be and surprised. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't say that lightly. I don't either. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't like it, dramatize that because I mean, I, I have my own issues with abuse within the church. That's where my Hmm. abused as a young person for five years and like the scars that I hold that now land me in therapy um, stem from a lot of those experiences. So there, there's something, I mean, it's just, and people have it from all their different spheres, right? And church is a right, very, very right. personal one. It is so deeply entrenched with like how you see yourself, your identity, uh, like literally how you exist in the world is so colored by these beliefs and these people that have modeled what a proper man, woman, person of God is supposed to be, what a proper leader is. And there's a lot of trauma related to that because of the inherent hypocrisy and the, uh, you know, failures as human beings, because we're all human, right? And that it, that implies that we're, we have failings, you know, we are not perfect. Um, that, yeah, right. that, that contrast and that coexistence of those like really tough things, especially when you're young and it's so formative it is really, really hard. And then I say also like not to make it all about church, but just being a person in the world and like how we are influenced by all these other environmental factors, right? Of just kind of pop culture. Like I was a really devout church girl myself and I can definitely stem like how I processed men and what I deemed to be attractive and like what I gravitated towards influenced a lot by church. That also juxtaposed or like mixed with what you know mtv and 
Saved by the Bell was telling me, right? Like, yeah. it's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, in that mindset, it's like a lot of temptations and a lot of influence and K-pop and all that stuff. I was like a huge K-pop fiend. Um, just like what I deemed was manly and what I deemed to be attractive and where my place as a, as a woman and a female and like counterpart or whatever you want to call it to that stemmed. And I think for me on my side, like I saw so much pain within men around me from every angle, from like being these, uh, quote unquote, emotionless beings, which is such a load of crap. And like, I could see I'm an empath, whatever you want to call it. But I'm like, that is every boy I liked would like pour out their heart and soul to me, you know, and they'd have all these like fears and stress and, you know, that's what I got to experience as being like the safe space for men. And, um, and it was something that I like consider to be like a superpower, but it's, you know, over the years, I'm like, it's also unchecked. It gets to be a big burden and it's very unhealthy to constantly have to kind of accommodate and compromise oneself for right. this like mismanagement, in my opinion, like and not mismanagement, like I'm blaming men. I just think that there's such a really gross imbalance of like how y'all are expected to basically not be human like how can you ask any person to get punched in the face verbally abused have all this pressure for like and then not feel anything about it do you know what i'm saying like it's just yeah it's the most impractical insane thing i've ever heard yeah i mean i to to your point and the american side uh you know interestingly enough i'm i'm going through band of brothers again uh, the hbo that's a prime example Mm. you know the history of america these are men band of brothers literally in the title it's about men Mm -hmm. and how you know you see the different leadership qualities and uh the characteristics of a man and and how they treat people that don't maybe express themselves too much they tend to go higher in the rankings you know in the army yeah and the ones that kind of trip out they're like labeled as you know Maybe even crazy, weak, mm-hmm. that's unfit for leadership, unfit for other men to follow. Right. And that's war. No doubt it's different. I've never been, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But mm-hmm. I don't see why a woman can't do that. I don't see why another besides a man can cannot do that. It's a human thing. But uh, that pressure as well in, in, no doubt, America growing up. And with all the shows and, you know, uh, just even with the presidents, man, like from the time I was existed in this world, they've all been men. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm very proud of where we are now. I mean, no doubt we have our first female VP. Um, But before that, it's like, you you know, it's a subconscious thing. It's like men, 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 right? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, the the subconscious versus the conscious of like, you know, when people say those words, leader, head of the household, whatever, provider, there's an automatic image in a lot of people's heads, right? And I don't know, I, what I'm processing now, because I, I, I'm at a person, at a place where I'm like, I don't want to dwell too much, but that's where I'm at. And people need to kind of go through their respective journeys to like get to where they're going to get to their milestones but like i feel i i've held just a retro (laughs) view like i've been very very angry and pissed and tired and exhausted recognizing how much my life has required me to like again abide by opinions beliefs visions 
behaviors that I don't agree with that I feel mm. in a lot of ways I felt like subjected to. But that's, I mean, that's me with like the men and like, that's what drives me to have for a lot of different reasons, because there are men that I really, really love in my life as much as like, I have this whole thing like, ugh, men. Um, and I can, I can feel that. And I, I can speak for hours upon like where that comes from. Like right, I'm at a point right. where like what I want, what I care about getting towards is like progress and solutions and being better than what it was before, because the pain that I've had to go through um, being around a lot of unhealed men, like I'm just old and tired. You know what I mean? Like I'm old. No, I hear you. Like, yeah, I'm not trying I hear to do you, this man. Anymore. Stick of that shit. Seriously. Like it's exhausting. But for, for everyone else who's like out there, I just think that I'm so grateful that again, we're having these conversations on air because everyone's at a different point with like where they're entering this conversation. They may have wanted to have it with someone that they care about in their lives, be it themselves or like with, a, you know, family member, friend, whatever, um, with this like unhealed issues. And I, this applies to my, my girls out there too. I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, only pin it, but since this conversation's about that, can we like go back to when you started? So when you had to, and you're, it's a lot of actually manliness involved in like quote unquote manliness, I'm putting in quotes, but like when you're, assigned to do this therapy within your seminary school and it's part of this requirement and your responsibility as a as a man at least in that vision that you have of yourself you you wanted to complete it so then you decided fine I'm going to do it can you take us like what was that like when you first got <laughs> into it then I'm really curious cuz I'm getting a better picture of like who Abe was at this at this initiation point yeah so uh thankfully because i know uh, a lot of people that do search for a therapist may not land on on their ideal partnership yeah. the first time but fortunately enough for me my first uh one of my professors uh recommended uh, a very lovely woman um uh, i won't say her name just to protect her because i you know i i yeah not to say that I don't want people to see her, but uh, just in case she's uncomfortable with mm -hmm. it. But she's a, a Taiwanese American woman. Wow. And I'm like, all right, you know, I see the name. I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, uh, it won't be as bad if, if she's Asian. I'm thinking that, you know. Um, but if so, like, maybe I can just cruise through. Oh. And not to say, like, um, like fake her out. It wasn't like the whole goodwill hunting where I just gave her, <laughs> gave her shit. Uh -huh. Such a good, yeah, cultural but it, point of reference. But I realized, uh, and not knowingly at the time, but in hindsight, like there was a mask and I was so proper. To, um, but, you know, the first session, she's like, I forget what the question was, basically just, you know, giving a, an overview of my life. Mm -hmm. And at the end, she goes, you know, I'll take you on. <laughs> and I left. I was like, oh, okay. And I left and I was like, take me on. <laughs> I was like, damn, she, it already started. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you're going to take me on? I'm here and I'm going to decide if I want you to be my therapist. Oh, uh-huh. Um. So for the first few sessions, um, I was resisting big time, man. I didn't even know it. Mm. Uh, we weren't getting anywhere because I wasn't really sharing. You know, I felt uncomfortable. 
because it was my first time again ever in therapy. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? Like really sharing? What what is the what's the what's sharing versus not sharing? I think there's a presenting, which again, as a uh, somewhat of a trained, a churched person, mm-hmm. um, it's like you're on. You know, you're. It's a public persona. Yeah. And so you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering from. I get kind of depressed sometimes. Where versus sharing, I'm like, I, I don't want to exist anymore. Mm. That's where I ended up. Wow. You know, landing with her where. Uh, you know, a few months in, I straight up asked her, like, and she was doing her thing. She's a professional, and, and maybe she saw it coming, maybe she didn't. But, um, you know, it's it's the destruction of self to rebuild. And I got to the point where, you know, I I was completely destroyed, and I asked her, "What is wrong with me?" Wow. And she knew exactly what I, I meant. She's like, clinically? I said, yes. On the DSM, you know, the uh, diagnosis book, like, what am I? And she told me. And surprisingly, um, it actually liberated me mm. more than, oh, man, that's what's wrong with me. It was more of a, that's me. So that's- maybe I need to learn how to manage that. That's huge. Yeah, because finally, I've been identified. You like, I mean, I mean, it's it just. I, I think what it it seems like that what uh, distinguishes the sharing versus not sharing is the vulnerability component. Yeah. Because, and that's normal. Like I, I used to chastise people for that, and I've done it too. I hear it on my own freaking podcast, Abe. You know, like it's weird to hear yourself in like interview format or like in conversations, and like I can hear the guard. I know myself, and I know when I'm being guarded. And I know when I'm being honest, and I know when I'm being vulnerable. And it's not like being dishonest, but it's like you know what I'm saying. It's pr- the presenting thing that you said, but the liberation component, like you, I feel like you just hit a really, really big thing on the head because. There's that fear of like that anticipation and that fear of not knowing. But for some reason, for a lot of us, I think just one of the most human reactions to anything is to guard that, not go where like the truth lies, you know, like, yeah, like what I see in uh, I'll say like in behaviors, I'm a public health major. So like, you know, there's it's just data, it's statistics and knowing the you know life it's expectancy of men versus women right, is so stark and very consistent right. mm-hmm. um across lots of different cultures and geographies um but there's these behaviors and these these tendencies for men to like not go to the doctor right they don't what it will take my father and what i have personally again one of the things that i talk about in therapy like is is trying to get him to get help or like even know do you need help he doesn't want to know and mm, that's something I've yeah. seen in my dad. He has a million and a half reasons, but to me, I'm like, and it's me airing my dad's stuff on my podcast and my family's gripe with me, but they're like, oh, I'm just going to talk about it on air. Yes, I am. But I think <laughs> with my dad, it's like he, he's gone through a lot in his life and my compassionate, loving side can see that. But I like the thing that frustrates me, the behavior that it has resulted in for a long, long time is avoidance of like, yeah. I don't want to know. You know, he could have different ailments. He's not well for X, Y, Z reason. I can see it. It's obvious. And he won't get it checked. And on like a, 
from someone who loves that person, you're just like, why can't you just go? And I think there's a lot of, for me, at least my observation is, I think he's just scared to know what that is. To verify it's something maybe worse than he thought, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it is a scary thing, no doubt. And, uh, you know, being an, an older person, I'm sure it's even harder because uh, going through life and surviving a certain way mm-hmm. and to be given a chance to look at a, an internal with uh, an internal mirror in front of you, they know, man, humans all know it's a scary thing to look inside yourself and to get to know yourself in a certain way. That's how much you, that's already self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't, I understand your frustration. I wish my dad too, because I think it would help him uh, tremendously. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, both my parents, because, you know, being in ministry, I know the heartaches and, and the struggle, but just being a human being uh, in this world, um, you know, not to say therapy solves things, but it definitely helps. But I also understand that people that are hesitant, I, I totally understand that fear. Yeah. Because it, it is not knowing. I mean, you just move on. Yeah. You know, you just move on. And that's what they knew how to do, the first generation specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents are survivors of the war and... You just don't talk about it and you just move on. But it's a survival skill at that time. Yes. But you see what kind the consequences, you know, the consequences of not uh you know, maybe um that extra effort and uh the willingness to explore self and, and to discuss it mm-hmm. uh, amongst our own people. Look what happened and then you know, I don't want to give examples but i think we know korean americans you know it, it passed on to us for sure that's that's the danger and now it's up to us you know um and not to say just forget about the first gen but for me personally i'm like i i don't think i can ever convince my parents to do therapy to enter therapy so it's up to me that if if i don't stop it uh, or Maybe not stop it, but minimize the damage mm-hmm. uh, that I'm, you know, carry out. I'm going to carry out to the next generation. Like I, I'm going to have to put in the work, and I want to. It's amazing, and I, I again, it's a blessing. I'm say it for the eightieth time. I keep on saying it. It's a blessing that you're in that place because the most loving thing what I'm learning ad nauseum at this point in my life, the most loving thing you can do for others that you care about, especially because we can have all these mixed messages going on and narratives in our head of like how we're burdened to other people or like, I don't want to be here. Or like I just make life hard for me. I make life hard for other people. No one cares about me, blah, blah, blah. all these things. Right. And I'm not trying to be cute about that. It's these are real things that can really overwhelm any person out there and just hinder them from like success in whatever way you want to color that. Um, the most loving thing, I think the most practical thing, the most, uh, efficient thing, cause I'm trying to be a lot more objective about my feelings. Just look at it from like a ones and zero standpoint of like, what will advance me from out of this spot that I want to move? Mm. I feel very stuck. Um, mm. so from like loving to practical, I think the, the oxygen mask on self, the self care, the self love in action 
is the best thing you can do for everyone around you. It is managing the stuff that's like really hard and doing the work, like you said, and you're doing it, Abe. And I, we're, we're all like, I'm being blessed by this conversation. I'm getting very churchy here, even though I don't go to church anymore. I use the idioms sometimes. I'm being very blessed today um, <laughs> by what you're sharing. And um, okay. actually, we're going to take a really quick break and come right back and talk with you more about this amazing topic. Be right back. This man was still a son. This dance could never tear the bond to share the moment in the stars. Hi, I'm Quincy Cho. And I'm Kay Khan Apu. And we host Marvel Makeup. It's a podcast where I teach Quincy a little about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Join us as we watch and talk about every movie and TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm mostly watching for the first time. And join us as we apply makeup stuff to our faces, which I'm using for the first time. Marvel Makeup is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and you can find new episodes every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch video versions of Marvel Makeup on our YouTube channel. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And please give us five stars so our Asian moms will understand why we buy so much electronic equipment. Because it's for this podcast, Marvel Makeup. And we were crying too. At this table, everybody cried except two. I was out of tissues and I thought to ask. And we're back. And I realized they were just like. Hello. Hi, how was the break? It was good. It was good. Much needed. Talking about the deepest stuff. Deep stuff, but we can still laugh about. That's honestly, that's whew, especially now, man. Um, we're at the top of 2022. It's a. I know everyone that's tuning in. I hope had a good start to the year, and um, it's a good reset time. And we're talking about therapy, and we're talking about ending generational trauma. And generational behavior, too. Even if, like, people don't even look at it like it's trauma. I want to just note, we're just, we're evolving. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't even have to be that that heavy or deep. We're just learning. Like, we're dealing with different things now mm. than we did before. That's right. Yeah. Like, internet. Just internet. Can we just say that? I mean, my parents. Crazy, right? Crazy. They they did not have to ever deal with Instagram or Twitter or <laughs> email or any like i just like think of all the different things we got coming at us every day i'm just my my thing with the therapy thing and i'm curious what you're if you like evangelize therapy to other people like how you how you approach that to your peers and your friends or the youngins you know after us how you talk to i think it's like again utility it is about love for sure. And I that's the place that all of this encouragement comes from for me. It's love because I want to care about other people. I do care about other people. But as a, like a practical tool, I, that's how I I frame it a lot now. How do, you, how do you look at this now that you've been going through different waves? And what have those different chapters been like? Because it sounds like you, you had this amazing Taiwanese-American woman therapist, which is incredible, help you get to some really key truths about where you were at at that point and you, you stop seeing her and then you, you jump back in. Like, how did that go? And how have you been like moving forward with it, with how you frame it to other people? Um, so I think, uh, the total time I spent with her was close to three years. Wow. That's yeah. Dope. It was, it was awesome. Like was, weekly was, or how often it started? Um, once a week. Okay. 
and then actually i think it was twice a week for for like a month or so and then yeah and then once a week and then once every other week she was my friend a soul friend not a literal friend unfortunately we have those boundaries um but understandable because um you know it could get kind of blurry if if we don't follow code i think to have someone know me that intimately and and i did end up on medication Mm-hmm. And it was it was a beautiful thing to because um, obviously, man, I'm even while I was in therapy, I still had a hard time telling people I was in therapy. I was still, you know, not ashamed, but it was uh, like a lot of us are, you know, we're private people. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really share that, but especially with medication. Oh, my gosh. You know. Yeah. Um, that is where I first felt a bit of shame, mm. um, even considering that. And then, but to actually talk to somebody, uh, my therapist, and we made that decision together. She didn't force me. She was like, you know, I think this might be good for you, but let's talk about uh, the pros and cons. And if you're not ready, don't force yourself to do it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Funny thing is, this is funny. I'm just gonna say it, right? Because you know, uh, I'm at, I'm, I'm in school during the time, and it's, you know, as people, you know, I think people know that Biola and, and a lot of Asians and a lot of white people uh-huh. in my program. There are a lot of white people, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna share with them that I'm considering medication. I didn't tell anyone at church at the time. Okay. So I'm like, hey, you know, a group of four people in my cohort. I'm like, I'm thinking of medication. And all of them, they're like, oh, my gosh, Abe, I'm on, I'm on like, two medications right now. <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, I'm on, like, one. And, you know, they talked about it like nothing. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Well, not I'm sure they had their, you know, experience with making that decision. But that support, it was like, right. It's not the end of the world. Like, yeah. I'm not, um, I'm not losing. I think there's a. A difference in feeling like you're losing because you want to win, right? Mm. I think that's what I was trying to pursue. Whereas these acts of surrender, this absolute surrender that um, we're human beings, we're intelligent beings. And I needed to know that for myself, that not in a boastful way, but in somewhat of a, a with boldness and confidence. Like, yeah, I'm alert enough to do this. But to realize that truly there is something bigger uh, in my own design, like I, there are certain things that I'm just wired differently. Yeah. And I can't control that. So I need to surrender these acts, surrender first of even entering therapy and being willing to open up. That was where I surrendered. I, I, it's not giving up. It was, I yield to this process. And then the next thing was medication, a deeper surrender. Mm. I yield. I don't know what to do. I'm not out of control, though. I just, I've tried everything. Mm. I don't know what to do. And so to have that um, experience and sharing it with my therapist, uh it was just a beautiful time. It was hard though, not to say like, oh yeah, you know, after medication is easy and 
this and that, like it was still very, very difficult um, to uh, explore my mind and my heart and my soul of why I even needed that. Um. And, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, dysthymia and I still suffer from that. Uh, again, it's what mm. I suffer from. It's not who I am. Mm. Uh, it's just it's chronic depression. And I got to see myself outside of that. But, you know, with medication, uh, again, interestingly enough, um, it's almost the fear of losing that cloud. You know, because you yeah. lived with this so long that you don't know how else to be. You you miss that depression. Yeah. You know, or you're uh, expecting that. Um, but to be, to exist and, and to have the rewiring uh, occur with, with medication. I was on medication for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, it was a lovely thing. And again, I'm not saying do it, you know, everyone just do it. Uh, so to you know, the latter half of that question is, you know, if anyone asks, like, should I, should I get into therapy? I think today my answer would be, yeah, because why not? You know, and these are mm -hmm. specialists and, and I, uh, you know, it's not as, it's not exactly the same, but I will compare it to like maybe a dentist, right? I've used that analogy on yeah. my father. <laughs> right. Because it's like, dude, when, when, the tooth pain is really bad. That's when you go in, but you should just a checkup. Mm -hmm. therapist and and cleaning. What, yeah. What's, where's my, you know, you know, where's my psyche? Where's my brain um, today? And, and if there's some things to address, uh, you know, address in, and then you can move on. So, yeah, that's amazing. But it, but it takes a lot of work. I, I, I would, uh, I wouldn't sugarcoat that with for anyone that's that's interested in therapy is uh, I no doubt would support them and encourage them to do it but also remind them that um it's it's a lot of work and uh it's going to get worse before it gets better but man when it gets better it's so good That's a really great way to put it and you know like you can't you can't know how everybody else is motivated like yeah. Funnily, I think, I don't know if it's a generational thing or maybe this is how people have been all along. I think for myself too, when people tell me like the honest truth about how bad something might be, it makes it less bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah. I'm not surprised by it. I think that, again, this concept of like fear and the unknown, if someone tells me this is going to suck, but it's going to help you, that's better than being like, it's going to be great. You know, like mm. that's a lie. And it's, yeah, it you're setting me up for failure because ultimately it's going to be so horrific. And I think there's a, I think maybe it's a generational thing, but maybe we've been more exposed, I think more than any preceding generation in terms of the ugliness of life. I think on just a data point level, we just are faced constantly with all the different ways that humankind has drummed up hurting each other and ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that I think that there's a, a different base baseline, like a different starting point for a lot of people to be able to receive bad news. And if you're like really truthful with them, I think you're just giving them better preparation and it's not necessarily going to deter people. At least people I've talked to, 
even though about stuff like work, like when people ask me about voiceover work, whatever, I tell them how hard it is. And I say mm. the real people that are going to be like, they're serious about their health or their well-being, their happiness, their success, they're not going to be deterred by that. It might mm. suck. It may, you know, may make them take a second and like, oh, oh, damn, you know. Um, but that's that's fine. We need that moment. You should think about it. It is a big thing to to take under. Like, and I, I likened therapy with like the dentist to my dad, the mechanic. I've used many different practical analogies. To, yeah, like, yeah, those are all good. Yeah. You know, get a tune up. Go get your. You know, get filters changed, and you know. Check your check your fluids. Like, come on, you got to do it. And these are the people that have been trained to deal with a lot of different types of things. You, that's where you go. And um, my dad actually did go into therapy, which just made my brain explode. Yeah, when was this? In his fifties. This was maybe like how long have I been here? Four, five years. Like five years ago. That's wonderful. Wow. If the last person on this planet that I would, if you, you like. Got ems, Got yo, I'm telling you, everybody out there, it is shocking what the collective influence of society, culture, personal relationships and everything can do. Because I know my dad's like, he reads a lot. He reads the news every day. I know that there's a lot of different conversations out there about destigmatizing this, this getting help, this type of help that a person needs right mm, so yeah mm. it was wild um that's wonderful man that's good to hear it was a tough it, i mean it happened in a very bad way but i'm glad that in that bad moment he elected to do that and i praised right. the hell out of him because i was like right. Abba, yes i'm so sorry you're in this like shit place because he was he was going through a really tough time mm. but i was flabbergasted I was, I have so many words, Abe. I had no words. I was like, uh, what? You're going to get, I mean, huh? <laughs> yeah, that takes a lot of courage. And for, you know, if, if I can get through any manly men, right? Like, mm -hmm. what's the harder thing to do? Right? <laughs> Let's talk, real talk. What's the harder thing to do? Mm. And he, if, you know, let's just say it like he manned up and did it. Or he humaned up and did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure it was very difficult, very, very difficult to make that decision. But man, the courage it takes, that is wonderful. I was, yeah, I'm very grateful. For my, it didn't last very long. So just keeping it real, like the fact that he did was enough for me to like, it, it helped me a lot because for me and my family as the oldest daughter, and he's the oldest son, right? And there's a whole thing with Ooh, Korean culture of like, yeah. could not like being the oldest, being the oldest son um, of a f my grandparents divorced when he was really young, and that was unheard of in Korean culture. He's dealt with a lot of different types of everything. Oh man! So to witness him go through that transformation was like a renewal of faith in me because I was clinging on by my fingernails, Abe. I was just like, mm. except I was at the personally, I was at the point of surrender of like, you know what? He's just gonna. This is who he is. He's always going to be this temperamental, this stubborn, this resistant. And I just have to accept that. And that was for me as an adult trying to just manage my side of how I'm dealing with my father. But the fact that he did that and to watch and hear his thought process, because I did ask questions over time, it was very like astounding and really humbling for me like that people are all we are all capable of change. And my father can do it. Like, I swear, I'm like 
anyone, anyone is able to. And I'm curious, like when you, what made you, because he had a, he had a not so great experience. He, he, he was matched with a therapist that I think didn't know how to manage his, um, his issues. And I'm so curious about that. Um, how your criteria is for choosing one. Cause like you, you said earlier, it's, you know, you don't always get the right fit right out the gate for me. I've gone through multiple therapists cause he was matched with like a 32 year old female, um, therapist, which I'm not saying that gender and all that is everything, but I don't think she understood generationally what he'd been through. Um, you know, it's those things of like feeling like you can understand we can empathize so much, but like to know what it's like to be like a father or to know what it's like as a person, a person, what it is to deal with being a minority or immigrant or whatever, whatever those things are, right? All the things that make us who we are. How do you approach it now? Or like, what are your thoughts on criteria? I think take your time. That's mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to mind. Um, Cause it, it's a relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like any relationship, you know, you feel it out. And if there's, you hit a certain pocket, um, when you just know that this person is going to help you grow. And this is not like if they disagree with something or they, they're harsh on you that you just bounce, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of a, is this person going to help you face yourself? Yeah. Uh, but before that, like, is it just a good flow? And we all know how that feels, mm-hmm. right. With another human being and, once that connection is there, you're like, okay, I can sit with you. I can sit with you and, and talk to you and uh, you'll listen. And this feels all right. Yeah. Um, but take your time as well. I would say that uh, and again, as far as um, initial impressions, like if you, if one feels that it's not good, then, you know, uh, it might be, it might take some time, but yeah, do the search. And, and once, it connects like, uh, I mean, the, the reward is, is endless at that point. So I say like the, the truth, the ugly truth or the sucky truth is that like, you may go through multiple therapists where you're just like hitting a wall and the flow is not there. It's like bad dates. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's truly, (laughs) it is. You got it. Yeah. It might be awkward. I mean, you just, it's like, Oh man, this this is not a good fit. It's okay. We're humans. You know, they're, it's okay to do, I mean, you know, experience that. Um, just, yeah, I would be cautious and, and just remind people that it's the art form of psychology. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, and this is not to bash anyone, but I just need to say it. It's like, not all of them are good. True. Just because we're, you're a musician doesn't mean you're, you're a great one. Like it just need to be mindful of that, that people are still developing and learning and, yeah. And some people just might not be good and, and that's okay. They're, they're still trying to make a living. Yep. Um, and if it's not a good fit for you, um, there are others in the field that is, is the right fit, you know, will end up being the right fit. I'll say that that, for, uh, if, if I may offer, when I needed to reject a therapist, because I have a lot of issues with like people pleasing and like, again, being over accommodating because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and I can't do that. Know how to say no. I'm paying for a therapist and they're kind of awful and I'm getting kind of nothing out of it. I dragged my feet in in like cutting that tie so that I could find the right one to fit me. It's the same thing with dating. It's the same thing with so many things, right? I'll just like grit my teeth and endure, right? And that's a lot of what I had been trained in my life to do. It's just deal with 
shittiness and like normalize and be like, well, maybe it'll get better. Or, oh, they're going to feel so bad if I tell them like I'm really not feeling it. Like instead of that, I I have spent many hundreds of dollars on therapists that were like <laughs> a bad fit. And I was Minji. like, oh, I, no, but I mean, But that was your process, right? That was my and process. You, you ended up with the a therapist that uh, uh, you're comfortable with now. And I'm sure you're talking about why that happened. For sure. Actually, and I'm that- on a break from her. Oh, yeah? Okay, yeah. Okay. Which is, again, that's a practice for me to like learn. There's nothing like you and I learned from this is like there's nothing that educates or beats doing. You got to do the thing and like experience it to know. Um, yeah. But I had to like tell her, hey, I'm going to take some time because for me, I was finding that talk therapy, like I'm talking to her for two straight years, which she was amazing and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'll be like totally real. It was like a white lady that I was like, oh, I need like an Asian woman. I need someone who like knows my plight, whatever. But she's just a really compassionate, good listener and like a good sounding board. Um, but I was like, hey, I'm paying for this thing. I think actually me regurgitating the same problem every week, which was kind of what my pattern was at that point. I was like, it's not really helping. So mm. I think I want to take a, a breather because I'm also, and I'm curious in our, in our last few minutes together, cause I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about this, what, uh, about money, because I, you and I are artists, right? We're not yeah. folks that have, I don't know about you and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but I have to pay for my own benefits. I don't get benefits from anybody. I'm not sagged. <laughs> I don't, I'm paying for my health insurance out of my pocket and everything that I spend you know people have likened you know they put therapy into that like into Gwyneth Paltrow goop land of like you know you do that when you have tons of you know tons of money to just burn they look at it as a luxury item not as like you know the same thing as paying for car insurance which is like you have to do that right so I think we're in the shift but I'm curious like if you if you face that same issue with like with practical stuff, like, can I afford this or is this worth spending money on? I got hella other bills to pay, you know? You know, I would, I would speak to the therapist uh, and see if you could work something out. The number one reason why people, the, I'm sorry, the number one excuse, mm-hmm. I've heard it so many times where like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I need therapy, no doubt. And we're, it seems like a fruitful conversation and they're going to lean towards going and then at the end, they go, but man, it's so expensive. I just can't afford it right now. Mm-hmm. That's not true. <laughs> it really isn't, man. Like you got to go out there and and just they're willing to work with you. Yep. Um, but, you know, they might raise their rates, you know, eventually. That, that's just the truth. They have to make a living. And uh, but meaning like if they give you a discount in the beginning and um, or they might refer you to someone that is, is, um, just doing that, like more that type of work mm-hmm. where they are, a therapist is more financially, uh, comfortable and they're, you know, taking clients, um, without, you know, the, the heavy, heavy, uh, amount, but yeah. And yeah, the cheaper that, ones available. Like I did better help. I've been doing better help, which was astronomically more affordable than like I was seeing people in person here in LA, you know, on an hourly basis. I'd say like my monthly bill for better help was equivalent of like one in-person session. Yeah. I mean, and, and look where you are, you know, uh, with certain awareness, even that, I mean, you just, you know, you experience growth to even say that uh, I might need a little breather 
That's a mm-hmm. big step for you. So, okay, let's just say it technically, right? Is it working? I think so. That's You're what not, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? They're not, there's no excuse for, for that as far as mine. There's so many resources. Fortunately, and I will say unfortunately, uh, mental health is um, somewhat trendy right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be beneficial, again, because of its popularity and just where it is socially. Like There are more resources. Um, but unfortunately, just be mindful that uh, you know if there is a spike in just an abundance of therapists, uh, yeah, just... Just be aware of that, that um, make sure it feels right for you. For and sure. And it's not just, it's not a bargain. You know, this is uh, your mind, your heart and your soul you're talking about. So you want to be able to sit with somebody that just makes sense overall. Beautiful. For sure. And I'll say on a practical note too, exactly what you're saying. Like when you're going it with that intention and with that that thought process of like doing this to help yourself and you're entrusting somebody with something like that. The byproduct of that, what I think is such a catch-22 when people make that excuse, because this is my argument back. I have argumentative people in my life, so I always have to be ready. But I'm like, if you're going to tell me that like, <laughs> you can't make I'll say from my own experience, because I was in a place of like being very financially strapped, and I freaking live in LA, in California. There's arguably like not that many places more expensive than this place right. um, as a freelance artist. All right, you guys. But I'm saying mm. therapy helped for, for me and what I've seen in other people, and we share these stories more and more. Therapy has been a, a process when we go into that intention of like helping ourselves and, and healing some stuff. It helped me make more money. I'm saying that as a byproduct, I had yeah. better boundaries. I had more... Um, clarity and like healing my relationship with money. I have all sorts of like, we will talk about this on, first of all, I promise, but like with money and with like my time and the whole thing that I said about, you know, over accommodating people, doing more work than I had to for less pay. Those are all, they're all interconnected, you know? So that investment in self and that, that asking for help, um, it pay, it can pay off in, in like, practical ways it definitely didn't mine um and it has mm. in other friends and i'm not trying to like do this and you'll triple your income you could though like yeah you know you have a lot to gain potentially and even if just that peace of mind right no absolutely i mean to to know thyself right yeah and you you are operating uh in a deeper existence um very aware and that's when I think, I know we use this a lot, but you start to love yourself and you say, hey, you know, I deserve certain things. Mm-hmm. And it's not like just, oh, I'm going to work harder to make the monies. No, nah, man, I, I deserve to uh, try out for these things, mm-hmm. to try to experience these things. To give it a shot even. To give it a shot, man. And, and knowing that uh, being more comfortable with yourself, if and when rejection comes and again la right like uh you know artists like we the vulnerability of of uh getting rejected i know i, I again i don't say i don't say this lightly and say yeah man therapy self-awareness this you will make it go away but when you're more comfortable with yourself with certain tools that uh, you have um, acquired and learned to use 
this art form that we are so uh, devoted to and um, maybe maybe even obsessed about, it lessens to the point of intensity is there, but it doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. So after that rejection, you're like, no, I'm just an artist. That's what I do, but that's not really who I am. I'm I'm a human being. Yeah. You know, I these titles and roles don't define who I am. Like I am who I am. And these are the things that I do. So because of that, I will tend to these roles and titles because, you know, Minji as a person, as you deserves that and mm-hmm. needs that kind of love and care and to be heard. I love it. But you know, it's a, it's a daily thing, right? It is. Again, it's a daily thing, but you know, just, uh, Minji, I'm, I'm proud of you. I, I don't, I'm not just saying that cause you know, we had a talk a few years ago and, um, there's growth in you. Thank you. Yeah. So hang Thank in there. I mean, you're, you're doing work. And I'm not talking about the external work, which is great. You know, you're doing all that too, but the internal work, the harder, you know, things to, to encounter and to, you know, practice like you're doing it. Thank you. So are you, Abe. I'm like, we didn't even touch on like all the amazing stuff that you're doing with, with your art and your work. And that, I think, again, it's, it's not, it's like not some, important. It's but, not, it, but, it's but, really but it's an expression important. of you. I know that it's something you said you do, but I also think that there's like all these, there's the, there's an honoring that we can do for like the work that we do that I think is, I want people to be able to, we, we, we as a culture are really, really obsessed with like accolades and and status and titles and our work defines us for sure. There is a very unhealthy relationship. And I think in there though, it's still like what we wake up and get excited and, and do and choose to put our time and energy into is also very special. And it's something to be honored and like celebrated because some people, for some people that like, again, for their respective reasons, don't feel courageous enough or feel they make all these different reasons why they can't pursue music or whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be these things that we put into like this special box of like artistry, even if it's just like to start a company or to like take a job that gives you stability versus becoming an entrepreneur and try to make eight jillion figures, whatever, right? Like these are, this is our time. This is our energy. This is the way that we occupy very, very tiny time that we really have on this earth. It's something that I think is celebrating you growing in your artistry and also your marriage with my darling girl, Prisca. Um, It's all just an inspiration. And I want to give light to that and celebrate that, elevate that, because I think those are things that personally for me, I look to as, as hope and inspiration when I'm feeling like shit, like I was Mm. like, no, these are people that are equally, they're striving as much as I am. They're broken and beautiful and dimensional as I am. And like, it gives a lot of, it gives a lot to others too to put light on that. So I, I want to guess you, I want to put you on that. Like, cause what you're doing is so important. And I, I really, the intention with this conversation was, you know, I framed it earlier in just, I was like, I'm just tired. I'm trying to like solve this. Cause I don't want to deal with none of this. Like, yes, that's part of it. But also it's like, truly it's a lot really out of love. I don't want people I care about to suffer needlessly. I think suffering is kind of part of being a human, but like if we can also, heal and in the process of that share with others so that they can heal um that's so powerful and we need more of that because there's hella other noise like all that other stuff is covered 
Um, I will not be becoming a celebrity podcast anytime soon, even though I consume a lot of that gossip as much as other people. But like, we need space <laughs> to talk about men in therapy. We need to talk about the this process. We need to talk about rejection and, you know, and, and absolutely. Yeah, reframing absolutely. what it means to be a man or woman or person, right? Right. Um, so thank you. That's what I want to say. Thank you for what you're doing and doing the work every day, the invisible work. And then all the dope work that you're doing with your art and Cambodian rock band and like your music that you're making with your wife and helping her with her podcast and all these amazing things that you keep doing. Yeah. I mean, you're just trying to have fun, right? Yes. I think uh, we lose sight of that uh, too often. So yes, um, let's, yeah, let's just fun. have fun. Let's just have some fun, man. That's what therapy is helping me. It's like, I am, t- I like, I go deep and I love it, but I want to have fun. That's right. Well, That's right. Can I close out with three questions for you? Of course. Okay. First one. What are you grateful for? You know, today I, I find myself extremely grateful for for health. Mm. Um, I definitely took it for granted when I was younger. I, I think about health a lot. Oh, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful for my health that I uh, am able to function uh, in a very healthy manner, and with with that, um, how can I be more useful? Mm. Yeah. So with that gratefulness, that's my next question to self: is that and and not not again to exercise uh, the use of myself, but useful and what you said i mean i'm trying to love and uh why i i'm going to circle back around to it but because you know basically i, I live with priscilla mm-hmm. and for me to have my health and to be able to do things with her and to be useful in a sense where uh, i would say i'm not the healthiest right now overall but still healthy enough mentally and you know physically and uh, emotionally to love on her and to actually receive love from her. Yeah. And, and that's a very powerful thing. And I'm grateful that we, we get to share this experience together uh, during this very, very abnormal time in, in human history. For real. And I don't think it's going to slow down either. Just keeping it 100. Like it's going to, I think it's going to keep being strange, which in light of that, what you're sharing and the gratitude and what you're, um, focusing on is really powerful mm. because these are strange times, friends, and probably going to continue being that way. Mind of that. Yeah, yeah. We're no turning back now. For real. Love it. Second question, what are you looking forward to? can be a big thing. It can be a small thing. Honestly, I think I am looking forward to when things do open up more mm-hmm. so than it is now to have the conversations and to uh, have dialogues about the trauma we experienced uh, as an entire world, you know, saw it as and experiencing it now. Like I'm looking forward to what we all learned. Nice. I love it. Finally, what are final words you'd like to share with everyone who tuned in for this amazing conversation? You know, I'm just a person uh, 
don't have to take my word for it. But if, <laughs> if there is, if there are people out there that are considering therapy, like, You deserve those thoughts. Don't feel ashamed. Um, you know, take your time with it. Uh, even talk to your your friends uh, about it. Don't don't be alone in it because it's not. You're you're not strange or weird or crazy. Mm. You know, you you are where you are now for a reason. You're exactly where you are uh, supposed to be, and you know, I I hope the best. For you, uh, there there is truly um, healing that can be done, and for those that are in, in the midst of, of the the pit of therapy, where it's you know you're at the worst part of it, just yeah, again, they're truly hanging there. It's it's like man, uh, yeah, when you start going up, I I just can't explain it. So hang in there. Um, you're doing good. You're doing well. Again, uh, exercise that courage that it took for you to even end up there. And um, and people that are out of therapy, like enjoy your rest. You know, and that's not to say we're uh, never going to go back, but um, you know, just remind yourself of things you you've learned. And uh, just, yeah, don't forget to take care of yourself. It's it's not over, right? It's not over. So. No, it's not. Thank you, Abe. That was you're you're the best. I'm giving you a huge hug right now. One day we're not having to do everything virtual still. And we can well, you're also like geographically pretty far from me. Yeah, we're we're in China, California. I realize <laughs> literally Chino. Chino. Yeah, China, not California. As easy, but hey but... man, uh Minji, congrats on your season two drop. Keep doing what you're Thank doing. Thank you. This is awesome. Like these, these topics, again, uh, for the most part, I know not easy to talk about. And and maybe to be quite honest to some folks, not the most interesting. I just need to keep it real. Yeah. And I say that not not for the content is because it's a scary thing to talk about. Yeah. But for you to be willing, um, I appreciate that. I, I felt hurt today. Oh. Uh, and I want to thank you. Uh, uh, not just on, because it's a, a podcast, but, you know, we, we go way back and uh, I appreciate you to even after all these years, after all the things that we've been through in the whole K-Town circuit and how it's growing and developing and and we're doing the same as individuals, but also mm-hmm. collectively we end up today together talking about some some heavy shit, but uh, we did it together. So I appreciate you. Thank you. And, and uh much love to you and, and a lot of success for your season two. Thank you. Oh, my heart is overflowing. This is amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Right back at you, Abe. You know, I have so much love for you and hopefully this will reach a lot of people. And I have a feeling I'm saying my intuition says a lot more people I think are willing and ready to listen to stuff. That's not, you know, the easy stuff. Hmm. And I, I'm really excited about that. So we'll keep that. We'll keep that energy going. So grateful to have you. And we'll, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Minji. Thank you so much.
Thank you all for tuning in to the very first episode of season two, Men in Therapy with Abe Kim. Abe, thank you for being such an incredible guest and a returning guest and safe travels to you as you head back on the road to perform earlier this year. So excited for you. Please stay healthy. And all of you guys need to follow Abe on Instagram at zero Abraham Kim zero, which is giving me very much AOL instant messenger screen name vibes and I'm loving it. And uh, stay tuned for season two, episode two with Sophia Sun and Tang Kim from Bamboo and Glass podcast. And we are talking about the great resignation. And I am so excited to share that with you guys. So stay tuned for that. Thank you to my producers, Marvin Yue and Anna Sun. You guys are incredible. I love you guys. And thank you. And I love you to Juliana Deer. And this team has held it down for first of all. And it's thanks to them that we have this incredible start to season two. I'm really excited to share more stories with you guys. If you'd like to support the podcast, again, head to patreon.com slash first of all podcast or check out first of all pod.com to see other ways to support. Follow me on Instagram, first of all pod, and my personal page at Minjeezy. And send me an email if you'd like to say hello, first of all pod at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five star rating. And that is a new feature on Spotify, which is a huge growing platform for us, which is really exciting because before that we had Apple Podcasts and it's a new age, everyone. Super excited to connect with all of you guys. Tag me in your favorite episode, whatever floats your boat. I would love to hear from you. It's so great to hear from everybody who's tuning in. And I'm really excited to share that our intro music, which was provided by Uzuhan with his classic Uzu track, he's also providing our outro music with a very appropriate song for this specific uh, episode topic. And it's a song called Tough Guy. And just adore this song so much as it talks about all the different challenges of being a man in today's day and age. And shout out to the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Go check them out and see all the other shows that are there for you to enjoy. And that's it for this week's episode. I'll see y'all next week. Take care of yourselves. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 